Bond yields are getting higher and higher as the Fed talks more and more about lifting rates quickly. But are we in uncharted waters? I mean, raising rates so quickly, plus quantitative tightening at the same time. Will it work? And will inflation just get worse with lockdowns continuing in China? How long are we going to have to wait till they just get used to living with COVID? Uh, the latest inflation numbers from the US today, uh, will they reflect those worsening supply chain problems? And oil is down today, in part because there's less demand from China, but also because Russia is still shipping a lot of it out. It's Tuesday, the 12th of April, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, bond yields, guess what? They're higher today. Ten-year treasuries up eight basis points to 2.78%. Even bigger rises in Europe. German ten-year bonds up 11 basis points, almost at 0.82%. That is up 57 basis points in a month. But then again, ten-year treasuries have climbed 78 basis points in a month. It's crazy, isn't it? And rising bond yields really aren't helping tech stocks. The Nasdaq has lost 2.2% this morning, 16% down from its peak last November. But let's remember, of course, it's almost 40% higher than the peak just before the pandemic struck. Alphabet is down about 2.6%. Apple is down 1.9%. Twitter, though, has gained 2.9%, perhaps because Elon Musk has decided he won't take a seat on the board. And that seems to have been a popular move. And the S&P is down 1.8% today. The Dow 1.2% down and falls across Europe as well, down half percent for the Euro stocks 50. The US dollar has edged slightly higher. It's up 0.8% on the yen. The Aussie has lost half a percent, down to 74.2 US cents. And oil down again. It's picked up a bit, but it's still a 3.6% drop in Brent. WTI down 3.4%. Brent at $99 now, about 18% of its peak last month. And natural gas up 6.4% this morning to its highest in 13 years. So, inflation, bonds, war. That's the agenda again today. Well, perhaps less on the war this morning. It's mainly about inflation and bonds. And here's NAB's Tapper Strickland in Sydney. So Fed speakers still talking up that half percent rate rise. Uh, I mean, they've surely got to do it now. It's been flagged so clearly by so many people. Charles Evans is the latest from the Chicago Fed uh, saying half percent is worth debating. And it's perhaps... Highly likely. Which one's it going to be? It's either perhaps likely or it's highly likely. I'm not sure. It's, that's, it's like saying something is definitely possible, isn't it? But any any case, another one saying, yes, it's going to happen. So it has to happen, doesn't it? Uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, another blistering night, uh, especially in terms of bond yields. And as you're noting there, the 10-year uh, US Treasury yield currently hovering around that 2.78% level and the highest in around three years. And what was interesting about the moves that we have seen since the weekend is there was no real new news to drive those moves. So it does seem to suggest it's still a reaction to the hook, to the hawkish Fed commentary that we had last week and also to those balance sheet unwind plans or quantitative tightening. And um, you'd have to say, just given where the momentum is at the moment, the concerns around inflation, we get inflation obviously coming up on Wednesday, um, that uh, you could see a further rise in yields from here and that could pressure risk assets. Um, in terms of Fed speakers overnight, um, really reiterating the points that have been made previously. So the Fed's Evans, as you know before, is putting his lot um, behind a 50 basis point move in May. Um, when you look at market pricing, markets are already priced for that. But what is interesting when you look at market pricing is they're pricing back-to-back 50 basis point hikes being an 88% chance. So it does look like the Fed, at least according to the market pricing and having been egged on by Fed officials, um, sees the Fed moving by 50 basis point increments for the next few meetings. And that would get them closer to where neutral is. And uh, Fed's Evans 
basically said the Fed wants to get back to neutral and they could get there by the end of December. So that would suggest about nine 25 basis point hikes over the next six meetings. Well, doesn't all that seem quite phenomenal? Because this is uncharted territory, isn't it? Obviously, completely. I mean, even a 50 basis point rate rise uh, doesn't happen often. The last time it happened, I think, was in uh, May 2000. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've dropped them, of course, by 50 basis points lots of times, but a rise of, of 50 basis points. Back then, it was up to 6.5%. And then look what happened. I mean, it, it, I mean, different times, of course, but the following year, 2001, it went from 6.5% down to 1.75% in a, in, in a year. So rising this quickly, I mean, it really is uncharted territory. I mean, it could break, couldn't it? Oh, definitely. And indeed, that's what the curve flattening theme that we had seen over the past couple of months was, was pointing to. Yeah. And but that's, but that's got away now, as though, you know, everyone's thinking, well, yeah, the, the Fed knows what they're doing. There's going to be a soft landing. Uh, isn't that what it's telling us? Uh, I think there is a bit more complex interplay in terms of what's going on with the QT and just the uncertainty around QT. After all, the the wind down in terms of QT is has been flagged at twice the amount that we did see in 2018 at, at its peak. And uh, we don't exactly know the impact of QT. But in terms of what the Fed is trying to do here, they are really trying to rein in inflation. They see themselves as being behind the curve with a very tight labor market. And the Fed's Waller, also speaking last night, um, noted some of these concerns saying, when you have to use a brute force tool, so interest rate hikes, Sometimes there's some collateral damage that happens. We're trying to do this in a way uh, that there's not much of it, but we can't tailor policy. So they would see the impacts on the economy, at least as a side effect, in order to try and get inf- inflation down. And in that, in that context, many economists are now starting to raise their risks of the US dipping into recession next year, over the next 12 months. And there was a Wall Street Journal survey that was published on Sunday night, and it put the probability of the US economy being in recession at uh, 28% from 18% in January. And just worth noting, that recession probability is uh, very close to where it was in uh, September 2019 when the last talk about could the US economy uh, dip into recession before the pandemic. And that recession probability was around 34.8%. So you're getting closer towards those kind of levels um, that economists are starting to get a little bit more concerned that the Fed could overdo this tightening cycle. And meanwhile, I mean, it's almost certain that 10 years are going to get to 3%. I mean, we are we are at 3%, of course, in Australia and 3.5% in New Zealand. But uh, I mean, it's hitting the, the the share market. I mean, that that's one consequence, isn't it? We're going to see what what are the other consequences as we see uh, bond yields rise even higher. Well, I remember we've been talking about the past three weeks and the puzzle in terms of the equity market, how it had been resilient uh, to the rise in yields. And uh, maybe on uh, Friday and today, you're starting to see uh, the U.S. equity market starting to to react to um, tighter financial conditions out there. And just worth noting that all sectors in the S&P 500 um, overnight were in the red and um, the NASDAQ is more heavily in the red down by around 2.1%. But what's interesting is when you look into the details of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, um, the, 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 the profitless tech, the long duration tech is really being sold. So you look at the ARC Innovation ETF and uh, it's pretty much where it was um, just prior to uh, March 2020. Uh, so that shows you the massive unwind that has occurred, at least in um, the in that bit of the U.S. equity market. And um, no doubt there'll be more questions asked about other segments of the U.S. equity market. And importantly, uh, U.S. earnings season kicks off on Wednesday. So I think there'll be a lot of discussion about the ability of firms to pass on higher costs and exactly where they're seeing 
demand conditions in the near future. And we're getting US CPI, of course, aren't we, as well, uh, later on. Uh, so, uh, and we've, I mean, we have obviously been seeing more um, supply chain disruption, even more coming down the track, clearly, if we look at what's happening in China. So uh, if that's an upside surprise, uh, is that is that going to just push bond yields even higher? Is everyone going to go crazy thinking, uh, you know, this is this is a problem that we need to push even harder against? Uh, quite, quite possibly, and it would definitely justify um, the Fed in their hawkish rhetoric so far. And when you look at the mm-hmm. consensus for uh, U.S., CPI, the pace of price rises is expected to be similar to last month. So core is expected to rise by 0.5% month a month, which would take that annual rate to 6.4% year on year. And just worth noting, we won't have to wait long until we hear some Fed thoughts on the CPI print. Um, we do get Governor Brainard and the Fed's bark and um, speaking quite soon after those numbers drop. Curious in this environment, uh, Amazon is having uh, a massive bond sale, $12.75 billion worth to, they say, to pay off di- uh, debts, to fund some acquisitions and to, to to buy back some shares. I mean, it seems like a really strange environment. I mean, it's going to cost them being coupon payments. You would have thought there'd be, you know, things are going to calm down. Why the rush? I, yeah, it's really interesting. And maybe, maybe they want to get ahead of um, a perspective further rise in spreads and yields. Uh, what we noted before that... Um, Equity markets have been relatively resilient until now to the rising rate environment. The same has been said in terms of the corporate um, spread environment as well. So uh, spreads on corporate issuers have been relatively tight. Um, So maybe they're looking to take advantage of that. But obviously the capital structuring decisions of a company um, uh, are are more of a medium-term issue there. But what is interesting about Amazon is the funding for for buybacks. I think that's also going to be a very big focus for the profit reporting season. There was one company uh, last week that noted it was suspending its buyback program. I think it was um, Starbucks. And I think that's something worth noting for the profit reporting season. Yeah, well, I guess it's a good time to buy back, isn't it, if the prices are coming down, if share prices are coming down. Uh, so uh, the uh, supply chain, though, uh, look, the, the situation in China, Shanghai reported over 26,000 cases, mostly asymptomatic, but that doesn't seem to uh, concern them too much. They, you know, the lockdowns continue. The cases are rising now in uh, Jiangsu, so the uh, so the, manufact- the manufacturing centre, so the big finance centre of the manufacturing sector uh, getting hit with all of this now. So that will in part explain why oil is down again. Uh, but obviously, it's just going to boost those inflation fears even more if we see this continuing in China, isn't it? Yes, it does have the potential to disrupt uh, supply chains further. And you're already seeing the queues for ships outside of Shanghai and those ports around that area as well. Uh, Really, China does need to pivot towards living with COVID-19, and it's not exactly clear when that will occur. Um, what What is mm. interesting, though, is once they do make that pivot, you're starting to get some data out there that suggests the policy measures are tilting towards uh, stimulus. So we got uh, Chinese aggregate financing data out late last night, and uh, aggregate financing yeah. beat by, Huge. by more than a trillion yuan. Um, so that yeah. does suggest uh, China has opened up the credit taps. And once those lockdowns um, ease, once they end, and once China starts living with COVID-19, you could actually see quite a sharp recovery in the uh, second half of this year out of China. But that is obviously um, yet to, to play out. And uh, we need to get past the lockdowns that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, well, all those uh, loans added 9.7% to, uh, to to the money supply in the last year, at the time when the Fed in the United States is trying to rein in the money supply. But uh, inflation uh, is still under control. Well, in, uh, producer prices, obviously, they're up 8.3%. So mixed signals, isn't it? But it's going to be interesting to see how they manage to navigate their way through this from easing 
with lockdowns to closing down those lockdowns, demand increasing, are they going to be hit with the same uh, inflation genie that everyone else has been hit with? It's quite possible they see it on the food side of the economy, but just worth noting, uh, Chinese manufacturing still continues to be a source of um, disinflationary pressure. So perhaps you don't get as much of an outbreak of inflation in China as you do in the rest of the world. Indeed, when you look at uh, CPI headline in China, it's running at 1.5% year on year. So very, very subdued compared to uh, the rest of the world. Not the same wage push, I guess. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that's impacting uh, oil prices, why they're down so much, uh, is the fact that uh, Russia is still exporting it. You know, you wonder who too. Well, obviously it's China, but China's demand is going to be down as well, presumably. The first week of April, uh, they shipped out 4 million barrels out of out of Russia, which is the highest so far this year. Uh, so, you know, the sanctions aren't working, you see. Uh, and perhaps the attractive price discounts for many buyers as well, um, with, with Russia discounting quite heavily in order to ship oil out of there. And uh, it's just worth noting that I think uh, Tur- Turkish refiners have been uh, refining uh, Russian crude and uh, India and China have both been buyers of R- Russian crude. And I think over the past week, uh, weekly shipments hit, um, hit almost 4 million barrels a day. So it does seem to suggest that Russia is still able to sell its oil on international markets. Right. Well, assuming that Russia steps up its attacks, then you can just see the next list of countries that are going to be uh, imposed with sanctions right there, can't you? Uh, the UK economy, mixed results overnight. GDP growth for February was up 9.5%, but, uh, you know, base effects on a lot of that, of course. The, the three-month average is 1% growth, but February itself just 0.1% month on month. So it's slowing down, isn't it? We've got a c- contraction in industrial production and, and manufacturing production uh, so, because they've got this uh, consumer spending squeeze even before the central bank gets more aggressive but you can see in those february numbers the economy really is starting to slow isn't it? oh yes and we'll be looking quite closely at the labor market data that also comes out tonight in the uk um, just to see whether you're starting mm. to see uh, that slowing being seen uh, in wages which is currently growing at around 3.8 percent year on year and the consensus there looks for that to tick up slightly to to four percent and the other one we'll be looking quite closely for is, is employment is whether you're starting to see a stagnation in job creation as you start to get those those headwinds uh, impacting the economy there. And the German Zoo Survey as well and the NFIB Small Business Optimism Survey in the United States uh, and the, we've mentioned the US CPI numbers, obviously the big numbers for today and the NAB Business Survey out uh, this morning as well. Uh, definitely. And just on the US NFIB survey, I think that's worth watching. There has been a rise in inventories and a fall in sales expectations over the past few months. And some are taking that as a sign that at last you're getting that long awaited pivot from goods to something else. And mm. if that does occur, then maybe that can alleviate some of the inflation pressures, notwithstanding those inflationary forces that we're seeing from Russia and Ukraine and uh, from the lockdowns we're seeing in China. So I'll be looking quite closely at that. Um, we do get the NAB uh, business survey today. Um, just worth noting, last month's survey had both conditions and confidence well above long-run average levels there, along with elevated price pressures. And uh, we also get the weekly consumer confidence uh, index as well for Australia. And I think uh, that may get a little bit more uh, closely watched, just given uh, Australia is obviously in the middle of an election campaign at, at the moment. Yeah. So, yes, in small business in the United States, it's, uh, how much are they pivoting towards uh, a cappuccino in the morning with crushed avocado on toast? That, to me, is the, the sign of a country that's doing well, if, if everyone's doing that, uh, which is a very Australian thing, isn't it, of course? <laughs> uh, good to talk, Tapas. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers. I think so. Now I've put that thought in your mind. You can't go past it, can you? I know what you're going to be doing straight away, straight after you finish listening to this. That's it for the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.